Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark. This is episode 200 and my guest returns all the way back from episode 13 and from his cult faction website. Warm welcome back to Brett Summers. Welcome back, Brett. Oh, pleasure to be back, sir. Pleasure to be back. Six years. What have we been doing? <laughs> I didn't realise it had been that long. Yeah. When you, when it, wow, that's a lot of time. <laughs> now, last time, Brett, we did Alan Moore's Future Shocks. That's right, yeah. Um, which, I mean, as a volume, is great fun. And there's some real cracker stories in there. Uh, but it was also, it was, an, it was a sort of introduction to 2000 AD, uh, partly for you, but partly, you know, as a suggestion for new readers and we've got another volume today where I really want to ask you about the sort of the idea of what's the best volume to hand to new readers. Tell us what we're talking about for this episode of the uh, episode 200, no less. Oh, well, today we will be looking at Judge Dredd at the Complete Case Files, volume five. Right, fantastic. So, obviously, volume five, it's one that gets talked about a lot, and we'll go into some of the reasons why in a moment. Uh, we are collecting progs 208 to 270 from 1981 into 1982. A long list of creators. John Wagner and Alan Grant, I think, handle all the writing. Artists, Mick McMahon, Ian Gibson, Ron Smith, Steve Dillon, Colin Wilson, Barry Mitchell, John Cooper, Brian Bolland, and, of course, for the latter half of the book, Carlos Escara. Uh, lettering robots Tom Frame and Steve Potter original editor Steve McManus and Case Files 5 is readily available if you want to read along with us for this episode so before we mention some of the key stories Brett it's as I say it's six years almost since we talked about yeah. doing this book <laughs> uh, it's sort of like difficult to remember why we chose it but I think the idea was as that introduction to the world of dread is that right yeah, no, that was right, because I was trying to get my foot into the sort of 2000 AD uh, universe, if you will. And um, it's, cause it's always something in my sort of reading and through comics and et cetera. It's always something that I've never really sort of managed to sort of penetrate and get through. And the future shocks that we've done was kind of a good thing, because obviously being a fan of Alan Moore and finding that and going back through all that stuff. And then it was always trying to get through that Judge Dredd thing. And I've got the first, the case files one to five. And I remember saying to you, that, like, I tried, I think I bought them, I can't remember why they were on offer or something, like the proper big telephone volumes, you know. Yeah. And um, I was trying to get through like volume one and two, and I've never got to the end. And I, it was one of those things, like every sort of, time I had a bit of a break or a holiday I thought oh, I'll try it this time and I never really got through to the end of it or it, it hooked me in and then when we were talking when we were doing that episode you said oh most people start with volume five because they find it the most accessible and that was the sort of the the gauntlet that you threw down six years ago wow <laughs> still, I'm, still, I'm still shocked by that so <laughs> That's a future shock. Yes, we here we are in the future shock. Yeah. Well, I will ask you how successful that was in a moment. We're not going to go into too much detail on the stories themselves, but we will mention that this book, this volume contains the problem with Sonny Bono block. There's the mega rackets, eight, eight different mega rackets that sort of introduce you to the whole idea of future crimes in Mega City One. Judge Death Lives 
How, you know, how great is that? The hot dog mm-hmm. run. And then, of course, it goes into Blockmania and the Apocalypse War, which takes up the second half of the book. So the stories, in terms of dread uh, and, you know, the greats of dread, you've got almost the golden age of Judge Dread in the early 80s right here in this one volume, haven't you? Yeah, it definitely seems to be a sort of a greatest hits, really. And just the fact that this was what came out in that order, you know, as it as it was printed at the time, is you know, it's that's it's a very good run. It's an astonishing run. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, just quickly, because I don't think I've had a chance to talk about him since the sad news of Alan Grant's passing oh, yeah. came out. I will be doing an episode about Alan Grant coming up this autumn, but. You know, just to say, what a great creator, what a great writer for Dread, and of course on Batman Across the Atlantic. And the one thing that really stood out to me was that, you know, and all the tributes being paid to him, you couldn't find a comic book creator who had a bad word to say about an interaction with Alan Grant. You know, as a mentor and an editor to others, he was just fantastic. Yeah, no, he seems to be one of those uh, rare people that everyone just sort of got along with or... You know, he, even the people he bumped into, he might have just encouraged them a little bit and they've gone on to bigger things. And, yeah, he just seems to be that kind of sort of Obi-Wan character that's kind of took people along with him and nurtured them along the way, even with just a couple of kind words. And, yeah, I think the, the comic world is a sounder place without him. It is, and you're quite right. I've heard people on this podcast themselves say about the fan experience of meeting Alan Grant and getting words of encouragement on their own work. Um, yeah, fantastic. And just to bring it back to our future shocks, and I think this will be the second episode in a row where I've told this story, but the idea that Alan Grant, or the story, you know, that Alan Grant picked Alan Moore's first future shock off the slush pile at 2000 AD, <laughs> spotted his talent... Uh, wrote to Alan Moore and said, we like the story, but we need 30% less words. Um, It's just fantastic. (laughs) What was Alan Moore's reply in those days? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I should imagine in those days, if somebody told him to cut down the number of words, he probably did. I think nowadays, of course... (laughs) You get a lot more words back. (laughs) Yes, yes, he does have a lot of words now. And something like his uh, Jerusalem novel, which is bigger than the Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah, that's true. Okay, but no, but, but Grant was great. I mean, yeah, like you say, from the, the stuff he's done here, and the, it was Judge Dredd two thousand eight. He wrote through to Batman, even stuff like Lobo and stuff like that, which was more the comical side of the superhero thing. Yeah, I was a big fan of his work. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. So sad loss to us all. Um, now, as I say, we're not. We're going to talk. I'm going to mention some of the stories briefly. We're going to get on to talking about the murderers' row of artists involved. And then I'm going to get to the big question about is this the good, you know, the volume to give to a newbie. But we've covered on this podcast the Apocalypse War. I think we've done it twice now. In fact, I know we've done it twice now. We've done obviously Judge Death Lives quite recently. If we leave those two massive classics to one side, were there any other stories in this volume that really sort of grabbed you, Brett? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. The sort of the, the rackets were a, quite a big thing for me because it was just kind of a... Uh, the Mega Rackets were just a way of 
some of them like one issue, some of them are a couple of issues. And it was just those short little things of dip it, dipping your toe in and getting a good idea of what's going on. Because I think sometimes with my experience with Dread, sometimes when I was trying to read some of those earlier volumes, it reminded me a bit of like sort of being in the 80s and picking up an X-Men comic and there was so much going on that you just didn't know who was what, why was when and what was happening. I think those rackets just are very good. It just sort of, I enjoyed them for the, you know, it was sort of almost police procedural short stories in their world, you know, like sort of, sort of stuff you're familiar with and it went through and the, 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 the poor plight of the, the Stucky Glanders, you know, who can't relate to such a tragic story. Yeah. I mean, it's a great introduction to Mega City One and the world of Dread and the crimes that he's up against. You've got a variety of different artists on those stories. Mm. Um, you've got these bizarre future crimes. It's sort of great stuff, actually. You know, like in the first half of this book, mostly is the Mega Rackets. And, uh, yeah, it just tells you sort of like everything you need to know, really, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It was almost like a, yeah, just a guide to the city. And it, I, I think it went well, sort of a with an omniscient narrator of it all. So you got to see Dread interacting with it, but you got to see all the other things going on as well. Whereas I think sometimes you get those stories where it's just from his point of view and you kind of, if you're not up to speed, you might get lost a bit, maybe. Or I did anyway. But but with this, you get the whole vibe of the, the city and, you know, the different blocks and the... The issues around them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and like I say, you also get a variety of art styles as well. This is all, we should probably say that Case Files 5 is all black and white, although I guess there would have been the colour double pages in the actual progs, but of course it's here, it's all in black and white. Particularly Ron Smith, Ian Gibson, Colin Wilson on those early stories. Yeah. Um, did you find this? And I mean, I mean, I, you know, you sort of answered this already, Brett. But this was like a good introduction to Dread for you to get you get you into Dread's world. Yeah, because it was nice, simple, almost. You could almost without you know, you could see what was in some ways going to happen with the stories because it was almost their their sort of. I think they must have watched whatever police shows on at the time and wrote down, you know, okay, right, we've got a, we've got a, a money racket, we've got a drug addiction, we've got a, a smuggling thing, you know, we've got a, we've got a prisoner escape route thing going on, or we've got, you know, and then they've kind of taken those and dropped them into the middle of mega city. So I think even if you've not read it before, you get an idea of what the kind of the story is along the way. And I think, yeah, no, for me it was. Yeah, it definitely opened some doors to um, Mega City for me. Great stuff. Then, of course, you've got Judge Death Lives with Brian Bolland doing his, yeah. his last sort of sequential artwork for the prog and probably his, his greatest sequential artwork for the prog in that story. And then squeezed in between Judge Death Lives... Have I got this right way around? Yeah, squeezed in between yeah. Judge Death Lives and the start of Block Mania and the Apocalypse War, there's a famous Dread story, the Hot Dog Run. Where Dread... Hot Dog Run, yeah, I was going to mention that as well, yeah. Yeah, what did you make of that one? I really liked it. Again, you suddenly get an idea of how these judges are created. You know, it's the training routine, although they seem to be training for a lot of years. But <laughs> And you get the run out and you got to meet... Um, Judge Giant, who had trained under Dread, and 
he was sort of introduced as well. That's the first time I don't know if he appears before that, but for me that was his, the first time he's popped up, and um, you get to see, you know, what that they have to go through, and basically you go out into the, um, into the um, what's it called, scorched earth, whatever it is, and you know, fight for, yeah, cursed earth. Sorry, that was it, and you know, basically it's a busman's holiday, and you get out there and you've got to do whatever you got to do and hunt down the mutants and. Yeah, no, it's the the pressure they're under. The, you can see the pressure Dred's under to get them through it, and um, I thought it was quite a nice little ending as they rode off as well, with um, Judge Giant and Judge Dredd commenting on the the varying success of the students and who passed and who didn't. Yeah, oh, it's great stuff. Dredd and Giant, uh, some Ron Smith artwork, the cadets, some cursed Earth mutant craziness, of course, as drawn by Ron Smith. It's a great story, right in the middle of this book. Um, and it, it's, you know, I mean, as I say, we've got the enormous sort of like behemoths of uh, Block Mania, Apocalypse War and Judge Death Lives. But the hot dog run is great. The Mega Rackets is great. They tell us so much about Dread's world, as you say, the development of these judges, how they're, they're formed. It all works perfectly, doesn't it? Yeah, also, I was wondering, uh, do any of the successful judges appear back later, do we know? Or is that just... I wasn't sure. That's a good question, actually, because later on, John Wagner will start building his supporting cast and he'll have cadets, um, named cadets, who go on to be full judges and go on to be sort of like mentored by Dread or Giant or one of the others or Rico... I'm not sure what happened to these cadets. I mean, obviously, some of them don't make it, but the ones, the yeah. successful ones, I don't know. I should check up on that, actually. Yeah, I'm going to do that, actually. Yeah, I'll have a look when I get a chance. If you are the expert on, on the cadets in the hot dog run and their future, let us know, and I'll pass it on to uh, to Brett. Yeah, no, please do, please do. Um. <laughs> okay, so before we get to the big question of onboarding and, you know, introduction... Uh, you know, handing people this volume. Let's just talk very quickly about the embarrassment of riches in terms of artwork Um, because we've got, I think, just about all the great classic Judge Dredd artists in this volume. Which of them stood out to you, Brett? I mean, it's a cop-out answer, but I think they all did. Yeah. Because each one, you know, just as you were getting used to something and or you sort of, especially some of the longer stories, you know, something would come along and just knock it out of the park. I mean, like the hot dog run, what we're on about at the moment, I mean, that was um, Smith, wasn't it? And um, just, well, Ron Smith, yeah, and just some of the stuff in that. And just, I just love the way, like, with the wording, how we incorporate it, you know, like the sort of onomatopoeia sort of sound effect where that he just drops in with the artwork, just really makes it pop off the page. You know, the sort of rat-a-tat-a-tatters and the blam-blams and the, you know, with the mutants opening fire and all that sort of thing. And just just simple, even like half panels or just close-ups of like the judge, was it Dread? I can't remember. They've done a really cool half, like little small panel and it's just sort of like the eyes nose mouth yes. like zoomed in and just just sort of things like that and you get that real focus of what the story is about so that that was a that was a good one for me and of course then you get the sort of uh classic stuff from uh mr boland and all that sort of thing and yeah they're just 
and then especially during block war as well you just get the complete chaos that comes from that and just you know in some of the things there's just so much going on with I'm never going to say it. Is it Esquera? Carlos Esquera, yes. Esquera, yeah. So just the complete chaos. You know, you've got like hundreds of tower blocks all fighting each other, and there's so many little details. And I was just trying to keep track of all the block names as well. In the end, there were just so many. (laughs) But just those little things they put in, not just what you'd expect to be, you know, guns and someone riding a motorbike or whatever. It's just all the little background details, the way they incorporate the word. Yeah, it's just... It's just a full out of soul each time, really. And then just as you get used to that, it switches artists and then you get hit by a different stuff. You know, it's, it's off the top of my head. That's the ones that stand out for me. Yeah. And I should correct myself because, of course, Brian Bolland does come back and does the very last episode of Block Mania, the one in the rain and the flood, before it transitions into the Apocalypse War. And so, yeah, I suspect that, that must have been la- his last work for 2000 AD, I think. But, yeah... Fantastic. So they're all great. Ian Gibson's in there. Carlos Esquera obviously just bosses it on the Apocalypse War. Yeah. Uh, Steve Dillon does a memorable um, couple of episodes of Block Mania. Uh, Mick McMahon starts off Block Mania, which is wonderful. And then Colin Wilson. I'm going to have to do a deep dive on Colin Wilson in a future episode. Um, I have to say, I thought... Here he was over-inked in my my reproduction, my volume. It looks a bit dark, and I prefer lighter inks on Colin Wilson. But I'm mm-hmm. gonna. I mean, we'll have to come back and talk about him at some point in the future because he's a fascinating artist, particularly with all the work he's done for European comics. Because I think he's taken over, or he did take over the Blueberry Western comics for oh, Europe. I'm not sure on that yeah. one. Okay, well, we'll come back to Colin Wilson on a future episode. Yeah, no, definitely. So, Brett, let's give us some context. You've got the first five volumes. Yeah. We suggested you try volume five, this one, to sort of, you know, get yourself into the world of dread. So the big question is, did it work? I finished it, and it's the biggest one. Yes, it is a big, meaty volume, isn't it? I said it no longer just keeps my door open or closed. It actually, I've read it now. Um, <laughs> and that's the only one I have. Volume one, actually, did I? I might have got to the end of volume one, but that was like forcing myself over time just to, like, you know, if you get to the end, it will be worth it. You know, you'll get it then. Whereas this one was more once I picked it up, I just burned through it in a, in a couple of days. Yes. I think the and good just, yeah. Yeah. The good thing about this one is you can burn through it quite quickly, even though the stories are just so mighty. And then you go back and look at some of the artwork choices with, you know, even more Mm. respect. Have you read more modern dread like America, The Pit, uh, Origins, that sort of stuff? I did read America back when I read it along when you I'm sure you covered it, didn't you? I've covered in, it with Pete Wells yeah. a few times. Yeah, yeah. There was one sort of like one of the when right back at the start. I remember going through it and yeah, and I liked that one. But then it was it dread because he wasn't in it much or whatever. You know, like that, it was again. That was a to me that was more of a mega city thing. Yeah. I'm scraping my memory back now because like I say if it's it's probably about six years ago going by how long this since the last appearance, but um. The other stuff, Dread versus Death. I've only read what we've got in here. I did have the I did have the Dread Batman, but obviously that was a crossover. 
Yes. But um, so, um, and I have picked them out. I think they may have even been a Dread Punisher at one point. I can't remember now. Just different things over the years. So I, mean, I have been exposed to bits, but I'm not. I'm gonna. I am gonna go on and get number six now, just to see what happens next. Because I'm. I, I think I, I may be in now. Good. <laughs> it, but volume five may have done its job then. No, it was. Yeah, it was just really good. And I think the, what I liked a lot about it as well is. I mean, the art, the artwork, as we, well, we've just talked about that. It is just, you know, everything in there is, is just amazing. But the writing as well, because I think what a lot of people need to remember is this, it's a serialized story in a magazine of serialized stories, isn't it, really? So, you know, you're not going to get people go, oh, there's only about three pages for that one. It's like, well, that's all you're going to get. But I'm glad I would have read it like that because I think if I was buying it weekly, I think it would have. I think the the anticipation would have been too much by the end of done some of that. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I think it works better like this. And also, there's there's no messing around with the stories. It is just the story. There's no sort of you know. Sometimes you read stuff, especially some of the Marvel stuff. Sometimes they'll have like an issue in there just to give someone a rest or to break it. Whereas these things will lead together and it's all kind of in its own real time and it's i think it's just one of those things that once you put the investment in it pays off down the road especially the way like what what happened like with you know the block wars and how that then merges into a completely different story yeah and uh, yeah and um yeah so i'm in (laughs) excellent it's worked good yes And so they're six-page episodes, mostly, as is typical for Dread. Six pages a week, uh, episodic stories. We should mention, of course, that Carla Sascara did six months on the Apocalypse War weekly. I think he had one week off in that six months when he must have been drawing his arm off on this stuff. (laughs) Just astonishing. He was, of course, you know, one of the fastest guns in the West as well, bless him. Uh, so probably just as well but yeah astonishing stuff because we've had people on the podcast tell me america's the one to start with or the pit is the one to start with there's these recent slim volumes of judge dread classics that they've been putting out over the last year where they've done the apocalypse war they've done Acropolis has just come out, I think. Dread versus Death, of course, which we covered on the podcast yeah. recently. Origins is in there. I wouldn't give Origins to a new reader because it requires a certain amount of dread knowledge, I think, to understand what's going on in that one. Okay. But this one for you, The Case Files, Volume 5, nice and easy to get hold of and fairly easy to tear through. And it's done its job, it seems. Yeah, yeah I think... I'd be interested if I'd read the Apocalypse War on its own without the other stuff. I no, just you saying about it. I don't know if it would have got me as much then because I think you needed that the sort of the racket stories and like some like hot and some of the other bits just to build that world before you it, they blow it up yeah. <laughs> almost. You know, just that, and even like the, the the problem with Sonny Bone. I think you know like the blocks and the 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 two blocks hating each other and that, you know, the disruptor thing to make it crumble and all that. And just, you know, some of that might be happening nowadays, but, um, <laughs> but just that, those, but just those little things in there, all kind of, it's almost laying the seeds. So what happens? So when the block mania does kick off, you've already got an idea about it and you've got all these different 
you've seen all the different types of crime bosses and things that are going on. You've got the ideas. I mean, that that Diary of the Mad Citizen as well. For There's a bit of a different slant on there. That, that comes under the Judge Dredd. Judge Death lives in my one where the guy goes mad and sort of narrates himself and and all that. And, you know, and you get this idea of the day and the life of it. So then when it does kick off, you've got um, some circumstance to attach to that. I think if I'd have just gone in and read Block Mania or just the Apocalypse War flat, I don't know if I've had the same preparation to understand it and enjoy it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think yeah. so. I yeah. Think- I think what this volume does is it provides Judge Dredd Mega City One um, context first, um, yeah. and then it plunges you into these sort of uh, completely life-altering events for Mega City One and for Dredd. Yeah, and it gives you along the way, it just gives you those sort of different types of stories, including, as you say, Diary of a Mad Citizen, which I'd forgotten about, which is here. Actually, I prefer Colin Wilson's art on that one, where it doesn't seem quite so heavily inked. And yeah. That's fantastic. And again, very European-looking for Dread and Mega City One. Yeah, it's the context, I think, it provides. And then they're just like those big bams of death, you know, Judge Death Lives, the hot dog run, and then into what takes up the rest of the book, Block Mania and the Apocalypse War. It's just astonishing. Now, I was, I was going to ask you, was there a reason... They blew everything up, basically. Was there like a thing and it got too much and they wanted to restart it? Or was it a, a reboot? Or was it a, what was the, because normally in, in, in comics, we know when something major happens, everything returns back to normal in a, a month later. But this isn't the case. So I just wondered what might be, was there anything behind it? Do we know? Well, the version I've heard is that John Wagner, particularly, but also Alan Grant, but John Wagner, um, periodically felt that Mega City One was getting too big uh, and too sprawling, and therefore he would reduce the size of the city and the population by some uh, devastating event. So he does it, I think, first with the Apocalypse War and basically, you know, brings nuclear war to Mega City One. He'll do it later on in Necropolis. He's done it again most recently um, in... Day, uh, day of chaos, where there was a sort of um, this sort of killer bug that sent everybody crazy was released into Mega City One as retaliation okay. for the Apocalypse War. He also sort of did it, or Garth Ennis did it with Judgment Day with the zombies um, story. So periodically, they make a decision to reduce the population and the size of Mega City One, and they have these massive cataclysmic events that reduce the population and the interesting thing is that when you carry on reading afterwards they do they do reflect the changes so you do get an altered city you do get citizens uh that's what i was hoping yeah yeah struggling to survive in the aftermath of these huge events i think the most the most the one that perhaps does that best is necropolis which is a dark judge's story, and then that devastates the population. And I think for some years afterwards, the dread stories were about the aftermath and Necropolis. They would still throw in the occasional, you know, the old wacky just dread busts a crime story. Yeah. But they'd also have these stories about people being displaced, people mourning their, their lost ones, 
some characters that were introduced in Necropolis. We get to see their sort of their stories unfold a bit more. So yeah, they 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 blow it all up. The maniacs they, they blow it all up periodically, and then they tell stories in the aftermath. And it does not necessarily the reset button at the end of it, um, like we see in the sort of Marvel DC event. Yeah. Ah, fair enough. And speaking of those, do we think that the people that wrote Batman Cataclysm and Batman No Man's Land may have actually read the Complete Case Files Volume Five? Because um, <laughs> there was a very there were some very similar elements in the story. Shall we say? Are there? Right. Uh, I'm not familiar. With, well, I know of No Man's Land, but I haven't read it. But there's sort of similar elements to Block Mania and Apocalypse War. Yeah. Well, Gotham City goes mad and ends up all the different districts being run by the different villains, and then it gets cut off from the main America, whatever they blow up the bridge or whatever. So then it becomes like a no man's land. Eventually, obviously, the heroes over the over the year get it back to normal, and the world is safe for democracy once again. You know, but there was all just sort of yeah, just well, that's a good idea. I'm sure I've seen this before, but um, <laughs> well, and um. Yeah, and also uh, I'd never even thought of it before until now. But the the Batman who laughs does look a little bit like Judge Death. So <laughs> and there's a few similar mannerisms, not not to raise you know, not to raise controversy, but it was it just especially after reading that and because I'd seen that read that more recently, and it was just like, yeah, there's, I think they've at least read it in their subconscious. <laughs> I remember at the very last London Super Comic Con before it folded that they just published the first images of the Batman Who Laughs. And I was showing those images to various American comic fans that I know are friendly with. And I was yeah. saying, look, that's Judge Death. Look, it's just <laughs> Judge Death. Uh, yeah. they just, I just put Bat in it instead. Yeah, exactly. It's just Bat, yeah. No, it's just, yeah, no, it was quite nice. I was reading it to just sort of see that and thought, I mean, everything influences everything, but it's, yeah. it was just very interesting that, yeah, I just checked. I knew Alan Grant Richardson Batman. I thought, he just took the idea and gone over that, but it was, it was after his run. <laughs> yeah, he did do a very long and successful run yeah. of Batman um, in the late 80s with Norm Brayfogle. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I think Case Files 5 is an interesting one. I, I, you know, you and I talked about this in our notes before we recorded. There's this great thing at the moment, this idea of onboarding as opposed to yeah. gatekeeping, getting people involved in our, uh, in our sort of hobbies and passions um, and giving them new stuff to read. And I, don't, I mean, I don't think this is all comic shops, but I notice a lot of comic shops in terms of their dread coverage will have case files one, case files five, and then maybe the most recent case files. Um, so I think it's interesting that comic shops have got this idea as well, that you know, case files five is a great one to hand to people who ask about dread. No, definitely. Well, they've got the right idea. I mean, as I say, it, it worked on me. And if they can get that out there and get people reading it, I think a lot more people will be um, surprised and um, what Judge Dredd can offer, because I mean, sometimes going back in the past, and I've read it, and it's it's just got that image of that kind of sort of, um, you know, justice by any means necessary kind of cliche kind of 
police officer, you know, Clint Eastwood kind of thing. You know, what's his name? Um, Gary Harry kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, whereas now there is a lot more to it and the world around it. I think the strength of the character comes from the world they create around it. And I think this does an amazing job of doing that. And I think if people could get that bit in their hands, get this book in their hands and have a look at that, I think they would appreciate it a lot more than sort of, you know, Sylvester Stallone without a helmet on or whatever, because that's a, that's a lot of people's memory of it. And it's, and it's, yeah, and it's, it's, it's a lot more than that. Yeah. Fantastic, Brett. Um, I'm going to ask you in a minute about the Impossible Grail page game. Um, <laughs> before we get to that, any other comments or notes that you had about the stories in this volume? The um, s- spoilers, if you didn't read it in 1980, the, the tragic uh, demise of Judge Giant hit me a lot harder than I thought it would. Yes. <laughs> There's another character I actually liked. And um, yeah. Don't, it's a bit like Game of Thrones, I think, Judge Dredd. Don't get too attached to many people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Judge Giant, the death of Judge Giant in Blockmania was a, was a, was a huge blow for many of us at the time and since. Um, you'll be pleased to hear that his son is now a full judge. Yes. Turns up in, <laughs> turns up in, in um, in dread stories now, thank goodness. All right. Um I think it's his son. But yeah, there's another Judge Giant now. Oh, cool. That's yeah. right. I look forward to that. And again, I I just think they the the whole way they did it, I mean, the way they covered like the drug addiction with the umpty baggers and like that that whole I forgot the name of the family now, but they roll back through that's the different stories, the family behind it all. Yeah. They roll back through as it goes along. And then the, the horror of the body shots thing and, you know, putting family members in suspended animation to, for, for, deck, for debts, you know, it's almost like it uh, changes going to the pawn shop with your watch for a couple of weeks, doesn't it? it you does, yes. your wife in. Um, and just, yeah, there was, I think every story had a, a little bit in it stuck out. And I like the fact that, um, Judge Dredd got made an honorary um, Stooky at the end of the Stooky Glanders as well, much to his chagrin. Yes. <laughs> and just yeah, it was all. It's got everything in it, you know. There, there's there's the you know the grim violent crime. There is some humour, and if you take some time to look at all the different names of all the different blocks, I'm sure there's a few more jokes in there. I spotted a few. Yeah. Yeah. Even. The, one of them was Paul Gad, which was interesting, but that was apparently that was a scummy block, so maybe they were telling us something. But um, <laughs> but no, but it was just you know, it, it's just those little things in there. It's almost, I guess, Simpsons like you know, those little details in the background that you might have not noticed the first time that you not you spot the next time. But yeah, I think it's all there for people to to go and read, and I think this is the volume to do it. Fantastic, and of course. At the back of this volume, you've also got some dread covers in black and white by Robin Smith, Brian Bolland, Colin Wilson, Ian Gibson. So they're good as well. Of course, Judge Dread: The Complete Case Files, Volume Five, is easily and readily available. It's currently fifteen ninety nine or nine ninety nine digitally. And I'm going to say, uh, and I'm thinking you'll probably will as well, Brett. Buy it for a friend, hand it out to somebody, get them into the world of Dread. Which yeah, is definitely. Yeah. So, let's give you an impossible task, and I made it even harder for you, (laughs) Brett. Because we've covered some of these stories already, there have been certain key 
classic pages have already been chosen as grail pages and therefore in the virtual art gallery they're already allocated so i've i've given you a, a bunch of images that you couldn't pick to make it even harder what couple of pages uh, or covers did you go for brett the main page that i finally decided oh there's a couple actually i did like the um Again, it only could it just made me laugh. The bit where um, Judge Dredd gets made an honorary Stooky and he gives him the little sticker with the, the smiley Stooky face on it. I did pick that one because it's just such such a contrast to what you'd normally see Judge Dredd doing. Yeah. And then um, I did really like the Judge Death cover. It's very sort of Cronenberg-y with Judge Death over Anderson and it looks very sort of... Um, medically, should we yeah. say? <laughs> um, but that's already gone. So I couldn't have that. So I've gone for um, the tragic uh, shooting in the back. It was Steve Dillon's piece on Judge Giant as he gets shot in the back. Yes. And he's got his arms like at the side, and you see like all the like, the explosion coming out of his back of, I guess, blood, guts, and whatever else. And yeah, because. And that was the sort of that would have been the cliffhanger ending as well. Obviously, in the trade, you can read the next one. But you know, if I'd got that at the time, I would have not been happy <laughs> having to wait another week to find out what happened. It's so a, that would that would be my piece. Yeah, it's like it, as you say, it's like the end of an episode of Game of Thrones where one of your favourites gets killed off suddenly and unexpectedly. Um, it's a Steve Dillon page. You've got everything on there. You've got like the close up on the face of Orlock, the assassin. You've yep. got uh, giant being distracted and taken out the satellite uh, or satellite droid, and then of course that terrible image of Orlock shooting giant in the back that devastated us all, and then it just says more next prog. Next prog. Yeah, what a cliffhanger that was. But yeah, I think that's I think that's the one for me. So we'll that give you the, the Stucky Glander's last page, and then we'll give you the the, the last page where uh, Orlock shoots Judge Giant uh, as Grail pages, and I'll put those up in the virtual art gallery and post them when all the episode comes out. Oh, cool. And I'm going to pick... I get to pick a, another page, so I'm going to pick the very next page, basically, the first page of the next prog, part eight of Blockmania. Oh. Judge Dredd kneels over the body of Judge Giant... Again, typical Steve Dillon faces, I think. Those sort of like very blocky square jaws he does. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what a moment. Uh, Orlock, the sinister assassin responsible for spreading block mania. And Judge Giant is dead. Yeah. Okay, fantastic, Brett. So, those are your two pages. I've got the page afterwards also by Steve Dillon. As I say, it's an embarrassment of riches in terms of the artists in this book and, of course, the great writing throughout by John and Alan Grant. Um, fantastic stuff. I know. It was, uh, it was a pleasure to uh, get through all this. And, um, yeah, you, you've hooked me finally. Good. Well, I'm sort of <laughs> glad that we are, we've answered a question six years later that we posed in episode 13. And it took me that long to read. Yeah, now here we are in episode uh, 200 and we've got to it. So that's great stuff. Um, guest projects time, Brett. Tell us what's happening with Cult Faction at the moment. 
Okay, the cultfaction.com website is still ongoing where we try and look at films, TV, cartoons and things that are of a unique nature that might not necessarily get the mainstream coverage other things do. Um, so if there's a program that you kind of remember from your childhood that no one else does, it's probably on there. That's kind of our thing. And we've now branched out into podcasting as well. We've got about, I think it's episode 69 comes out this week, which focuses on more rats. We've been doing a, a teen movie summer super season or something like that yeah <laughs> and i'm just going through different movies and things so it's, sort of, so it's a bit of chat about what we've been watching and then we just sort of put a spotlight on a particular um type of film we've been doing that for the summer for when we start the, in september it's going to be that there's there's three of us that host it and each week someone's going to pick one the other two don't have to watch it as well and go from there so sometimes we argue a lot sometimes we agree a lot sometimes it's more in the middle so if you search for cult faction in your podcatcher of choice you will find the podcast and i notice as you say you've got this a real sort of 1980s movies sort of yeah that's sort of that's you've done recently haven't you yeah no we sort of yeah we've gone sort of well we we're gonna do two movies and then we kind of ended up most of the good ones were then <laughs> and then we and now we've just kind of moved through a little bit um as i say i think we empire records was recently and no more rats is this friday so we've kind of gone a bit more into the 90s early 2000s now heathers i think you've just done as well. oh yeah heathers we've just done as well yeah, yeah. so we moved back again there's no real sort of that, that it's, it's a loose, it's a loose sort of theme each time. There's, we're not nece- it's not necessarily in chronological order or anything. It's just sort of what comes up or what we think people haven't heard about for a while or whatever. Really, it's trying to just bring attention back to those films that may be forgotten or on at three o'clock in the morning on some channel you've never heard of. <laughs> Perfect. So that's Cult Faction, the podcast. Search for it. You'll find the show note in the show notes for this episode. You'll find cultfaction.com and a link to the podcast. Who are your co-hosts on that, Brett? Um, we've got Damien Hicks and Paul Hawkins. And Damien's the man that does all the editing as well, so he does need a bit of a pat on the back for that because without him, there wouldn't be a podcast. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and Paul does a lot as well. <laughs> Fantastic. And if you want to hear, as you say, you want to hear some talk about some great 80s movies, tune into your recent season on that. Great stuff. Cool. Anything else exciting coming up in the future? Or is it basically return to school and back to work soon, Brett? Yeah, pretty much. It's it's back to school for me in September and normal life regimes again. I've enjoyed the summer, but I must return to my my normal identity. (laughs) And... um, and uh, yeah, no, it's all good. We're going to be working, as I say, on, we're confident on the podcast. We're going to be working on some more movies that we think people have forgotten about um, in the next lot. I think that's it's a loose thing, but I know I know with now and I is one of the ones that's been thrown about. So that might give you an idea what kind of direction we're going next. We've but, gone um, but yeah, by mistake. Yeah, <laughs> We've gone and um, podcast by mistake. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I uh, see, and it's just back to scoring out for me, and yeah, Woo. yeah. <laughs> and how's the martial arts training and teaching going? Oh, 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 thank you. Yeah, no, it's been it's been very good. I've managed to 
I've been still doing my jiu-jitsu. I've managed to qualify now as a referee for British freestyle wrestling level one. So I can sort of do the sort of the stuff you see on the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games. I can referee like the sort of children's end of that. And I've also got my catch wrestling level one now at the the famed snake pit in Wigan. So that's all going all right. My body's hating me for it, but I'm sure in the long run, it's helping me out. (laughs) Excellent stuff, Brad. Fantastic. Well, thanks for giving up your time this Tuesday afternoon in the the school holidays to come on and talk about Case Files 5. Always a pleasure. Thank you. I'm glad we finally got to the question that we asked so many years ago. (laughs) See you in another six years. See you in another six years. Thank you so much, Brett. No, No worries at all. Always a pleasure. Pleasure to be on here. And thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. As ever, find all the links to my work and all of Brett's projects at megacitybookclub.com. Uh, follow on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all the 2080 forums. Email me, mcbcpodcast at gmail.com if you've got a British comic book that you'd like to come and talk about. Uh, and that'll do us. Until next time, when we're passing judgment on another great book, it's goodbye from me and... And it's a goodbye from me, and I take full responsibility. <laughs> <laughs>